the 17 and 1800s, the New England region of the United States was host to a big vampire craze. Rhode Island alone was home to 18 of these cases. Did Rhode Island become the Transylvania of the US? What was going on in the 1800s that had people thinking there was a vampire epidemic? Today, we'll share the stories of Abigail Staples, Sarah Tillinghast, Nancy Young, and Mercy Brown, some of the most famous vampires of Rhode Island. Plus, your Instagram questions answered, next on Technically a Conversation. You're listening to Technically a Conversation, a podcast where we share an interesting topic or story with each other and hope you find it interesting as well. I'm one half of your host, Jose, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Isela. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. How are you? Doing good also. Good. It was nice taking a little two-week vacation from podcasting, but I definitely missed it. I did too. Yeah, I was still researching regardless. I'm like, oh, let me read this. (laughs) Still so much of a vacation. (laughs) You're much more disciplined than I am. Oh, that's just me. (laughs) Uh, That said, uh, since we took that little two-week vacation, we do have a long list of shout-outs to catch up on. Yes. So I wanted to start out by shouting out super friends, Elena, Eli, Erica, and Laura G for helping to spread the word on their socials. It really means a lot to us that you're spreading the word. I also want to thank super friend Cesar for spreading the word with some of his friends. We hung out around Christmas time when he was in town and he brought our podcast up when we were hanging out with some of his friends and he really talked us up. Oh, thank you everybody that you mentioned. That was really, really sweet of everyone sharing on the socials and then of course the word of mouth. That's so important. Yeah, it definitely is. And I know there's somebody that you wanted to shout out as well. Yes. uh, For a couple of weeks now, um, we have a new listener, super friend, Claudia S. Yay, Claudia. She's someone near and dear. Welcome to the show. We hope that you're enjoying it. Yeah. So before we start on the actual podcast itself, just a quick reminder about our contest. If you want to be super cool and help us out, pause the show, hit up Apple Podcasts, and take two minutes to leave us a review. What should they do again, Isela? They should leave us a awesome five-star review. I'm just kidding. No, I don't want to. <laughs> but they should leave us a favorable review, take a screenshot, and send it to any one of our many socials. You can find all the lovely details at technicallyaconversation.com. That's right. And we'll read it on the show. And once we get 25 reviews, we'll do a drawing and give the winner a Technically a Conversation shirt. So again, check out technicallyaconversation.com for the deets or just check the show notes. Are you ready to get started? I am ready, Mrs. Great. Let's get started. <laughs> this is your dark topic voice. Ya te conozco. We'll see. Okay. So Isela, hmm. have you ever been to Rhode Island before? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, there go. Six follow-up questions that I was going to ask you. Oh, sad. Sorry. <laughs> Can you make it uh, Vermont? I've been to Vermont. I don't know. <laughs> no. It's kind of similar. <laughs> uh, sadly, this has nothing to do with Vermont. Okay, sorry. That's okay. We'll improvise. Sure. Have you ever heard of Mercy Brown? 
Oh, wait. Mercy Brown does sound familiar, but for what? Uh, what does Mercy Brown sound familiar for? I don't, I can't play, I can't place my finger on it. What about Sarah Tillinghast? No, not that one at all. Have you heard of Nancy Young? No relation to rocking in the free world, Neil Young? <laughs> Nancy Young? No. What about Abigail Staples? Mm, no. What if I told you that in the 1700s and 1800s, there was a vampire craze in the New England region of the United States? Oh, lovely. The region had more than 80 reported cases. Rhode Island alone was home to 18 of these cases. Did Rhode Island become the Transylvania of the United States? <gasps> what was going on in the 1800s that had people so alarmed? Let's take a look, shall we? Definitely. So during this time, there was a lot of reported cases of people succumbing to something they couldn't explain. According to a New England Today article titled, New England's Vampire History, Legends and Hysteria by Joe Bills, which is actually what my family calls me after the holidays. They call you Joe Bills? Joe Bills, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the classic symptoms of their affliction were a chronic, sometimes a bloody cough, along with fever and weight loss. The victims of this phenomenon were withering away, almost as if something was consuming them. By the beginning of the 19th century, one in four people in the eastern U.S. were dying of this mysterious malady. This consumption, as it was called, was responsible for over a million deaths a year. Wow. So based on what these people were witnessing, along with a generous spoonful of superstition for good measure, <laughs> many of these New Englanders believed that vampires were responsible for these symptoms. There were quack doctors at the time that were encouraging families to dig up and burn their relatives to stop these vampires from consuming the rest of their family. <laughs> That's crazy. It is, right? Yes. Wow. Everyone at that time knew that if you wanted to stop a vampire, you had to burn their vital organs. Common sense, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm putting it on the record right now, Isela. I'm going to task you with the burden of burning my vital organs before my death or after my death. <laughs> before your death, holy hell. <laughs> yeah, no, preferably after my death yeah. to prevent me from coming back to life as a vampire. Mm. Or we can trust in science <laughs> and we cannot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, if you suffer from consumption after my death, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> okay. As you may recall, I was Rasputin in my past life, so you know what I'm capable of. Yes, yeah. Definitely. So what are some of the most notable cases of these Rhode Island vampires? I'm glad you asked, Isela. These first three stories are kind of short because there isn't a lot of information. The first story Joe Bill shares is that of Abigail Staples. In February of 1796, Stephen Staples was granted permission by the Cumberland Rhode Island Town Council to exhume the body of his daughter, Abigail, to perform a ritual to save the life of his daughter, Lavinia. Lavinia had come down with consumption shortly after Abigail's death. Abigail too died of consumption. Lavinia told of dreams in which a shady figure sat on her chest and drew out her breath. It is reported that she called out Abigail's name. Sadly, there is no record as to what came out of this exhumation or what kind of ritual, if any, they performed or what happened to Lavinia for that matter. The second story 
is about Sarah Tillinghast. Sarah was the first of Snuffy Tillinghast's 14 children to die. <gasps> I'm guessing Snuffy was short for everyone's favorite uncircumcised elephant, Snuffleupagus. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what show were you watching? Because I did not know he was uncircumcised. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the, the trunk. Oh, you know how it looks? <laughs> looks kind of like an uncircumcised penis. Oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you know, I really liked Snuffleupagus. He was like one of my favorites. And now my new favorite is like Abacadabby or something. <laughs> At least there's nothing foul you can make of her. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. You know, I have a tendency to ruin everything for everybody. Yes. Yeah. When the surviving children reported that Sarah would come visit them at night, Snuffy assumed it was just part of the normal grieving process. But by 1799, five more of the Tillinghast children had died, and a sixth was gravely ill. Wow. When the bodies of the dead children were exhumed, all but Sarah's body were in advanced stages of decomposition. Mm. So Sarah was obviously a vampire. So what is it that we do to vampires in 18th century Rhode Island, Isela? Uh, I don't know. Do they still do the whole like driving a stake through their heart? I mean, I know Vlad the Impaler really did that. The Bram Stoker guy. Not quite. Like we mentioned earlier, they took out her heart and burned it. Oh, okay. So Sidney Ryder, who witnessed this ritual, later wrote, and I quote, Peace then came to this afflicted family, but not, however, until a seventh victim had been demanded. Jeez Louise, that's rough. I like how she said demanded with authority. Yeah, authority. That's metal. That has to, <laughs> yeah, that has to be also why they had so many damn kids back in the day. It was like a numbers game. Like, I have 15, probably like seven are going to make it. And then, you know, the other three are going to be assholes. And then I'll really actually have like three, three good, good ones. <laughs> I was thinking it was just because they didn't have a TV, but that makes a lot more sense. Mm, well, that could probably be it too. <laughs> <laughs> so the third story is of the young Nancy Young, who died of consumption at the age of 19 in 1827. Nancy's sister's health rapidly declined shortly thereafter, and the family was afraid she would soon be following Nancy to the grave. Their father, Levi Young, asked his neighbors and friends to exhume her remains and burn them while all the members of the family gathered around and inhaled the smoke. <gasps> when I read that, it kind of reminded me of those Halls commercials. The breathe, oh, yeah. breathe, my pasty friend. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that commercial. That's funny. Now, sadly, this ritual didn't appear to work. As five more of Levi's children died of consumption, their lives were demanded, to quote Sidney Ryder once more. <laughs> With authority. <laughs> Actually, I should, we shouldn't be making fun of this, but... <laughs> I know. I'm like, Jesus, we're horrible people. <laughs> but we knew this. Yeah, we had to bring a little bit of levity to this topic. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. So, what is this consumption that all these people were succumbing to? Were all these real vampires? And who was Mercy Brown, which I teased at the beginning of the episode? All will be revealed after this quick commercial break. Mm, what a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn from the best, which was you. <laughs> That's what I like to do. 
In these trying times, when our nation is beginning to recover, look to Palmer Technologies for all your logistical needs. Palmer Tech is no stranger to rebuilding. Our primary goal when the company was founded was to reconstruct Star City after a series of earthquakes left it in ruins. Our team of scientists and engineers from our applied sciences and technology divisions were there every step of the way with innovative solutions to solve the most difficult problems. When it comes to experimental medicine, Palmer Tech is a name you can trust. Specializing in nanotechnology, biostimulant implants, and smart wearables, our founder and CEO, Dr. Raymond Palmer, personally oversees each project. His teams will work with you to tailor a specialized solution for you and your patients. With a PhD in physics from Ivy University, no job is too big or too small. Palmer Technologies, the number one name in science, engineering, technology, and medicine. Contact us now to see how we can work with you. We also offer paper products. How was your break, Isela? It's lovely. She just, that one bums me out a little bit because they talk about the earthquakes. A little bit sad. <laughs> that was a tough time for Star City. Yeah. They're rebuilding, though. Yeah. Well, they did rebuild thanks to uh, Palmer Technologies. Palmer. Shout out. <laughs> so during our break, did you exhume any bodies and set the remains on fire? Thankfully, I have no bodies around my, <laughs> around my house, to, or at least that I know of. <laughs> what about yours? Um, I don't have any bodies around that I know of either. Yeah. Or that you're willing to give up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. People often ask me about my compost shed and I have to assure people that that's not where I keep the bodies. I keep them in another plate. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't keep them yeah. Anywhere. That's not the toy box. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's ugly. Actually, that would be a great topic for another podcast. The toy box killer. I know. That one's the worst, though. Like, I really had to take a little pause on true crime after that one. Yeah, that one was rough, especially since it happened really close to us. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So as I teased before the break, we're going to talk about Mercy Brown and let the cat out of the bag on what this consumption that was plaguing the region was. But first, let's talk about Mercy Brown, as it's probably the most notable and famous case to come out of the Rhode Island region. This information is from a Boston Globe article titled, Rhode Island, the Transylvania of America? One vampire expert thinks so, by Carlos Munoz. So Mercy, her mother, Mary Eliza, and her sister, Mary Olive, all died between 1883 and 1892. Mary Olive was 20 and Mercy was 19. As in the cases we mentioned earlier, they all died of consumption. They were survived by George T. Brown and Edwin Brown. George was Mercy's father, and Edwin was her brother. When Edwin started becoming ill, George was persuaded by neighbors to hold a superstitious ritual that involved digging up his wife and daughters to perform an autopsy to determine if their deaths and Edwin's sickness were a work of evil. On March 17, 1892, all three of the bodies were exhumed. Dr. Harold Metcalf, a medical examiner, 
was hired to perform the autopsies. What were the findings of the autopsies? Dr. Metcalf found that Mary Eliza, the mother, was in a mummified state. Oh. And Mary Olive's body appeared to have a thick growth of hair on her head. Mercy's corpse, however, was fresh as the morning dew, even though the body hadn't been buried and was being held in an above-ground tomb. Mercy's body was burned and a concoction was made from her ashes and given to Edwin to drink. Oh, God. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> Put a little bit of Mercy's ashes in his atole and vámonos. It's a little bit thick, but... Chapurrado. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so gross. It's because it was a little bit thick, but it goes down so smooth. So nasty. <laughs> now, thankfully, it's unknown if he actually drank this concoction. I probably would have just said, nah, I'll pass. Nah, fam, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if he did, it did him no good as he died shortly thereafter. So why was Mercy's corpse so fresh while Mary Eliza and Mary Olive's weren't? According to a History Collection article titled An 1890s Vampire Scare Terrified Rhode Island by Patrick Lynch, it sheds a little bit more light on the details. So Mary Eliza died on December 8th, 1883, and Mary Olive died on June 6th, 1884. It had been almost a decade between when they died and when they were exhumed. Mercy Brown died on January 17, 1892, and was exhumed two months later. Isela, if you were to take a guess, a gander, what would the temperature be like in a pre-global climate change Rhode Island between the months of January and March? Oh, it would be really cold. So, I mean, it's got to be at least 30s, 40s. Oh, you're, you're pretty right. Okay. It's damn cold. I couldn't find the exact weather for that year. I think the farthest back that I could find was 1945. But the average temperature in January is 30 degrees Fahrenheit or negative one degree Celsius. And the average temperature in March is 36 degrees Fahrenheit or two degrees Celsius. So what do you think would happen to a body in two months of freezing or near freezing temperature? I would say if it's freezing, it's probably pretty well preserved. I think it's when the heat is when it gets all, like, gross. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, as the kids say. <laughs> the body was well-preserved. That's why she looked fresh as a daisy. Yeah, but that's when they thought she was evil because she wasn't decomposing. That's right. And, of course, little details like this are always forgotten to time. And in the years since, Mercy Brown has developed a cult following and is said to have been the inspiration for Lucy and Bram Stoker's Dracula. In a History Channel video I watched about vampires to get more information on the topic, they mentioned that in Bram Stoker's manuscripts for Dracula, there was a cutout newspaper article about Mercy Brown. So that confirms that he was at a minimum familiar with Mercy Brown, if not inspired by her, if true. That's interesting. I'll go ahead and include a link to the video in the show notes, but honestly, I would skip it. It's pretty <laughs> sensational and offers really nothing of value except for that fun fact. Okay. Do you want to know what else was discovered during Mercy Brown's autopsy? Ooh, um, yes. Okay, so this is something that might shed a little light as to what this consumption might be. Okay. And I'm sure you know, because I know you're smart. I know you're probably dying to say what consumption is. 
But for the kids at home who might not have heard this before, Dr. Metcalf discovered that Mercy had dormant tuberculosis bacteria in her lungs. So the disease that killed Mercy had only been discovered 10 years prior in 1882 by Dr. Robert Koch. I think when people don't have an answer, then they start thinking of things on their own. And when there's such little science, then that gives way to a lot of superstition. I think that's probably why it was running a little more rampant than it is today. Yeah, you said it a lot more elegantly than <laughs> I ever could. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tuberculosis was so rampant at that time, it killed one in seven people living in the United States and Europe. One in four of the people that were living in the New England area. Wow, that's a lot. It is. Superstition, however, led the residents of Exeter, Rhode Island to believe that the Browns were cursed. And in order to break the curse, they had to find out which one of the deceased Brown women was the vampire that was consuming Edwin to destroy the body and break the curse. <laughs> that is so crazy. Like, I would love to be around, not, you know, when TV is like crazy, but when people have to finally have these conversations with families and try to explain like, hey, we were all just being like idiots. You should probably stop digging up these people. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they're like, what? Like they've been thinking like that for so long. I just wonder how people finally got through to them. I'm sure it took at least a generation. Oh, yeah. Now, this is our third vampire podcast and what I'll call our vampire suite. The other two are Coconut Water and Elizabeth Bathory. So check those out if you're interested in vampires. There will surely be more since I'm fascinated by the topic. Or do you think we have time for a few fun facts, Isela? Yes. Can I add one thing? Of course. You may. Earlier, you were mentioning that uh, maybe it was Mercy Brown also that was one of the, the inspirations and stuff like that. In fact, I also heard, though, that it was Vlad the Impaler. Yes. Maybe you could also look that information up because he sounded like a pretty crazy dude. He was a badass, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One crazy dude. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and Elizabeth Bathory also supposedly was an inspiration for Dracula as well. I can see that for sure. So yeah, on with the fun facts. So the following are from a Spirit Halloween article titled 12 Fascinating Vampire Facts by Hannah Lamberg. These are the three that I found the most interesting. Cool. In medieval times... People with red hair were regarded as vampires. <gasps> Similarly, in ancient Greece, redheads were thought to turn into vampires after death. The ancient Greeks burned the bodies of redheads before burial in order to prevent them from rising from the grave. <laughs> that is hard time for some people with Irish backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I actually have a friend who is also like naturally a redhead. And one of the first times we had gone to Vegas, some random like drunk people, he was like, you can't take my soul. Like he yelled at her. <laughs> and I was like, what the shit was that all about? And then she's like, oh, you've never heard how like redheads were also like known as um, like soul takers. I was like, that's pretty badass. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Actually, what I had heard was that redheads didn't have a soul. Yeah, I think they don't have a soul. That's why they try to take yours. That makes perfect sense. I think something like that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Vampires also are thought not to have a reflection due to their soulless nature. 
just like redheads. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is related to the perverse nature of the vampire and that they will feed on human blood and resist human age and power constraints. That reminds me a lot of the interview with the vampire, the Anne Rice. Um, Classic. The movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. If you guys have not seen that, you guys definitely got to check that one out. I don't know if it holds up anyway. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Yeah, I haven't seen it probably since it came out, so I have no idea how well it holds up. I remember watching it sometime thereafter, but not in the last like 10 years. My brother and I were talking about it. I think it was on Christmas. <laughs> Christmas? <laughs> this is lovely Christmas chat. <laughs> what else would you talk about on Christmas than vampires? I know. <laughs> and he was saying that he was, he was watching it and that he was like, oh shit, Antonio Banderas is in it. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't even remember him being in that movie. That That's how long it's been since I watched it. <laughs> I don't remember him either. I know it was Brad Pitt and the short guy, um, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. My midget brother. <laughs> <laughs> Bonded in height. <laughs> Not, <laughs> or like a... My vertically challenged brother. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> While it may be impossible to kill the undead, a proper burial is the best way to ensure that a vampire is immobilized for as long as possible. Wooden stakes are often driven through a vampire's chest in order to pin it to its coffin. Alternatively, a vampire can be buried face down with the hope that it will dig itself further into the earth in the event that it should attempt to rise. It's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> wow. Those are pretty fun ones. Yeah, I wonder when they finally were like, okay, guys, we can cut all that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys are just being sick bastards. You want to just drive a stake through people's hearts. <laughs> it's a fascinating topic. Even now in 2022, it's still very fascinating. It really is an intriguing topic because it puts you into like, what kind of mindset were people in when they were so easily influenced to be like, all right, I can eat a lot of garlic or, okay, um, I'll just put a bunch of like mirrors up everywhere to see who has a reflection. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is really interesting. It definitely is. And those are the three that I found the most interesting from that Spirit Halloween article. Cool. So before we get to the fun stuff, just wanted to let our super friends know that Isela and I finally got to try the Dunkin' Donuts beer. Yes. And our reaction slash review video is on the YouTubes. Yep. Go check it out, folks. We'll have a link to it in the show notes or check out our Instagram where we'll link to it as well. We have a lot of new super friends from India and we wanted to welcome you to the show. We hope that you're enjoying it. And if you are, spread the word. Yes. If there's a way that we can find it. Yeah. If there's a way that we can get you to import mangoes, because I hear the mangoes over there are the most delicious thing ever. Yeah. Let's work it out, guys. <laughs> and if you can import mangoes, we'll settle with you telling a friend. Yes. So 5% of our listeners now are from India. It's the second most popular country after the United States. Very exciting. We are now at over 1,500 downloads. So thank you everyone for helping us to cross that milestone. Woohoo! Also, Fiza Dosani, right now, like right before we started recording, she actually liked one of our posts. Oh. Uh, if you don't know who she is, she's a comedian and podcaster that I really like. Very awesome. Thank you, Fizza. Yeah, felt like we had to do a little flex there. Heck yeah. I really like her a lot and I'm fanboying a little bit right now. 
That's super cool. <laughs> Heck yeah, that's awesome. So speaking of Instagram, we asked you in our story today to ask us a question, and we've got a few questions. Did you want to go through a few of them, Isela? Let's do it. All right. So the first question is from Elba. She said, I thought there was a mushroom or fungus that creates a zombie, and that's where they got the idea for The Last of Us. Actually, I was kind of surprised you didn't bring that up during our zombie podcast, because um, I know you and I didn't really discuss what we were going to talk about. Right. I thought for sure you're going to talk about that fungus. Uh, what I had heard about the fungus is that it actually causes ants to become zombies. That's what I knew about it. I, I'm not familiar with The Last of Us, aside from it being a video game. Mm. And I was also surprised that you didn't bring up the thing about the cats. Oh, where they're taken over by a parasite. Yeah, they, they get the parasite from eating rats. What it does is in the rats, it causes them to lose fear in the cats. And they get sexually aroused. Exactly. And then the cats eat them. And then when they poop, the rats eat the cat poop and the circle of life begins. Yeah, so nasty. No, yeah, I, I didn't talk about parasites. Yeah, I can see how you would make the connection of like doing things against your own volition, I guess, or you're normally your own volition, even though, you know, they were doing it against their own or at their own will. I know I had never heard about this fungus. So that's all kind of cool news. I guess I assume that because I know you like to cover stories on animals. When I was working on it, I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure she's going to cover those too. Yeah, no, I, I pulled up the frogs just because I was familiar with the wood frogs that literally freeze, which I thought was really fascinating. And when I had learned that there was a German team that had just this last year found zombie frogs, that title, which of course really should be backwards. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay, well then. We're still in keeping it in the little frog zone. <laughs> so might as well just <laughs> cover both of those. You know what I mean? Didn't want to jump around too much. Yeah, no, it was definitely very interesting. I had no idea about those frogs. So I appreciated you covering that. <laughs> Thanks. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we should cover it still, maybe on a, like a bonus episode or something. Elba, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> the second question that we got was from Eli. He was a super friend of the show a couple of episodes ago. Yes. <laughs> Super friend of the week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me see if I have that sound effect. <laughs> there you go. Super friend of the week. <laughs> I had to hear the sound effects so that that would jog my memory a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he said, in your last episode, you said that you met on Google+. Plus, mm -hmm. And he was asking if I remembered him from Google+. Plus, And I do, because I do remember talking with him a couple of times but when they were building that, what's his name? Jeff Bezos. He was building that that uh, launch pad there in Van Horn. So I remember talking to him about that. This was Jeff Bezos before he turned into Pitbull. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, before he got all cool and shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I remember talking to him about that. And I remember talking to him about Big Bang Theory. Oh, that's cool. I even invited him to a few of our hangouts when we were still doing those big, massive hangouts. Oh, that's fun. He never got... To go then? I don't remember him. No, he ghosted us. Oh, thanks a lot, Eli. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know it's overwhelming sometimes. But I was really happy to see that he was on Instagram and I'm glad that he's listening to the show and hopefully he's enjoying it. Yeah, see how we all reconnect in the end somehow? Not in the end. Oh my God, that sounds like <laughs> like one of us is going to die. <laughs> Shit. What instructions did I leave you, Salah, for when we inevitably die? That I'm going to 
buy some gancitos and leave them on your tombstone. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm burning anything. They're gonna desecrate my tomb and <laughs> you're crazy. I know, right? <laughs> okay, sorry. We tend to take things very dark. We do. Jesus. Third question we got here was from Erica. And she wanted to know what the craziest road trip the two of us experienced together was. Oh, God, there's, well, I feel like crazy just in the regular sense. The last one that we, on the way back from Dallas, I know it's a, in theory, it's a long drive, but dude, it felt like it was two hours. And then the whole time, and we both love music. I think we listened to maybe two songs and we were just talking the entire time. Yeah. That was one of the inspirations for us to do this podcast. Well, yeah, we were, it was, it was during the, the Snoop wine thing. Yeah. <laughs> the blood of Snoop. <laughs> yeah. When I was giving you the communion with the, with the oblas. Oh, yeah, the oblas. <laughs> so in Mexico, they have these candies. There's these little circular uh, wafers and they are very similar to like in Catholicism. It's like a, they call it the body of Christ, but it's just like a little wafer. It's like a little as um, Dane Cook would call it, a Jesus, like <laughs> but anyway, which is really horrible. But anyway, um, we had bought the, the Mexican candies, and we had previously been joking that the wine bottle that we had bought, just because it was Snoop's face on it, we're like, "What? This, this has got to be good. Of course, it's got Snoop's wine." We're gonna be drinking the blood of Snoop. Yeah, so. he was like, "This tastes like church wine." I'm like, "Oh, perfect," because we got the Eucharist right here. <laughs> I also can't recall anything like super crazy happening. The craziness is usually just you and I laughing about a bunch of dumb things. The first time we went on a trip, though, I remember you were like, oh, you got to listen to the song, which was cool. But the decibel level was really high. I was like, oh, this is definitely going to do damage. And then six hours of this is like, well, yeah, you got to that, which means I'm going to get there deaf. <laughs> I do have a tendency to um, listen to music kind of loud. I think Erica knows that. Yeah, I'm sure she does. I'm very <laughs> sure she does. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have anything crazy. One of my favorite memories is that time that we went to Fort Stockton, that when we went to go look at the telescope. Yeah. The McDonald's <laughs> Observatory. <laughs> oh my God, that's what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah. And it was the funniest thing because, I mean, like it's like a really small town. So there weren't any like McDonald's or Starbucks or anything. So he went to like a little local diner to go eat. And it was like the middle of summer. So it was pretty hot. And in that diner, they had like this air conditioner that it, it didn't look like it was properly mounted. It looked like no, it was mounted. Like if you were to get like your uncle to do it for you and like you pay him with a six pack of beer and a large pizza or something like it was mounted all ugly. Yeah. And then you got to like do a Hail Mary or something that it doesn't, <laughs> you got to pray that it doesn't fall down. <laughs> I think there were like chains holding it up. So Yeah, they were rattling. <laughs> it was just so much noise. <laughs> and that was the funny part because we would be like in the middle of talking and all of a sudden that stupid thing would kick on. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and it was so loud. It was so loud. Like it made the whole freaking place vibrate from the, the rattling. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else was in there except for us. Now I know why, because you can't have a damn conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember there were a few people in there. There were actually a few. I mean, there weren't more than like 10. There was there was very few people. Yeah. And the part that was so funny is that thing would be rattling so loud that we'd be like yelling to each other to hear ourselves over the, 
the stupid air conditioner. <laughs> and then the thing would just stop suddenly. And then Nisela and I were still both yelling because we were just used to that. That was so embarrassing. And everyone looks around for like, and then the bangs or whatever. I don't know. Something not even important. <laughs> you know what? I thought you were going to say that was the time that um, embarrassing story. So I appreciate you allowing me to share it. But so when we went, we knew we were only going to stay the one night so we could do the the, the um, star party at night. And then we were going to do the solar viewing in the morning at 11. So I only brought one change of clothes. And I don't know if you remember, but it was like raining that night. And then um, so I had said, well, I'm going to put on my pants because it was starting to get cold with the rain and like the wind and stuff. So I remember I was like, well, screw it. I'm, I'm going to change into my jeans. So I put on my jeans. And when I... <laughs> Bend down, and like as we were walking out, I bent down to like tie my shoe. I hear a like, not like I farted, but like my the back seam of my pants of my jeans totally ripped, exposing all of like my right butt cheek. I mean, I was wearing, I was opting for full coverage that day on my on my chonies, on my underwear, but still, I had to crouch. Do you remember I had to, we had to go up those little, those little ladders? We climbed like five. At least five little steps. No, not five steps. It was like five stories. Because you remember we went all the way to the top of the telescope? Oh, yeah, that's right. That was easily like five stories. I know. And then I'm surrounded by nerds. And then when was the last time nerds got to see a nice runner's butt like that? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure for most of the people at that time, that was the first time them seeing the full moon. No, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Be quiet. And then it was like the full moon with like freaking, I'm I'm pretty sure that was like Muppet Babies or it was something. <laughs> it was Muppet Babies underwear. It was Muppet Babies. Oh my God, how embarrassing. There's a, hopefully enough stories there for you. I think those were all from the same trip. Because remember even at the hotel room, I think we were like knocking and ringing the doorbell and it was locked. Yeah, they were like on break. <laughs> yeah, and then when the guy came out, like his eyes were all bloodshot. Yeah, I thought he was high. And he opened the door and like the first smell that you got was like ramen. Like it smelled like ramen like <laughs> times 100%. And I was like, well, no wonder this guy's eyes are all red. He's been breathing in all that ramen for God knows how long. It was like impregnated. I think even the walls were like yellow from like the, the fumes of the ramen. That I think that was why I didn't let you book any... Um, Hotels after that. <laughs> You're like, it's a good deal. It's only $32. I'm like, what the hell? I think it was less than that, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was for two beds. I was like, this is going to be weird. <laughs> we also have a voicemail from super friend Elena, who called in to call me out on the story that I shared during our Hangover Tips podcast. So let me go ahead and play it. Yeah. Hi, so this is super friend Elena calling from El Chuco, and I just re-listened to Hangover Tips because I wanted to get my story straight. Uh, no, I did not have to do an obstacle course when my friend was in the police academy. What we actually did was, yes, it did get us sauced up, and yes, we had to be legally drunk in order for the training to work. But basically, they did it so that the officers could learn how to conduct a DWI check, what signs to look for. And I'm happy to say that I did pass with flying colors. Nobody could tell that I was drunk. Um, I don't know if that makes me a professional drunk or not, but <laughs> hey, it worked. And 
one tip for all of you guys out there, if you ever get pulled over, do not do the checkpoint or the test with your shoes on. Take your shoes off. That was a tip that I was given, and it worked. <laughs> all right. We'll see you all later. Bye-bye. So thank you for calling in, Elena, to correct us. I know we all enjoy being corrected, and uh, <laughs> yeah. we appreciate it. Her voicemail was really funny, the whole thing, by the way. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if that's good or... I think, you know what I'm going to start doing from now on? Like, I think that's a good tip from Elena to everybody is maybe just all the time. I should just act drunk, like, all the time. Like, I'm going to start slurring my words all the time. <laughs> like, oh, she acts like this all the time. <laughs> Damn, I slur my words when I'm sober, so I can just imagine how bad I must sound when I'm drunk. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I've ever seen you super drunk. That's weird. I think it's a genes thing. Because my dad and his family, like, they were all very heavy drinkers. So I think I inherited that part of the genes. Shout out to your dad's liver. <laughs> yep. Since Isela said dad's liver, <laughs> we hope that you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at GreetingsTAC. Email us at GreetingsTAC at gmail.com or... Leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669 if you have a naughty story to share with us. You know you do. <laughs> All these things we demand from you. Demand! If you want to avoid being consumed by the vampire. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs>